0: Podcast before. Now, we have the full complement with us tonight, which is very exciting. The first time in a fair few weeks. Um, so that means we, of course, have Mick, Gilby, and Dave is back. Now, Dave, uh, since you've had your stint uh, on the sideline after a, a, a red card in the technical area, how did your um, caretaker manager uh, go at, at looking after your team for the last three weeks? Are you, are you happy with the results?
1: Uh, reasonably, especially for the last game week, I managed to, yeah, pick up a good haul of points and actually made some ground on the field, which was, uh, quite nice given the fact I pretty much haven't touched my team in three weeks. So yeah, can't complain.
0: So does that mean you're going to relinquish your position as, um, manager and just let the caretaker take over for the rest?
1: I mean, that would be the logical next step. Yeah. Just... Resign, retire from management. Yeah, just let it roll.
0: <laughs> maybe just, maybe just sit in the stands with an ear, with an earpiece or something. You know, chir- chirp in every once in a while.
1: Yeah, was it? Um, isn't that what Ralph Ranick was apparently doing for his first game in the stands? There was rumours that he was uh, in the ear of Carrick, but yeah, I don't know <laughs> how much truth there is to that. <laughs>
0: Oh, very good. Well, hey, it, it's all panned out for you, so well done. And we will get to game weeks shortly. And as you mentioned, there's game weeks are coming sort of thick and fast at the moment. So there's sort of been two since we, we last uh, sat on the podcast together. So we'll have to get through all of that and more. But first, we, we obviously need to talk about our moments of the week. Um, So, look, let's start with the person who's probably watched the most games out of all of us. Um, Dave, moment of the week. What have you got for us?
1: Next, (laughs) no, all I—I mean, my—it's okay, Dave. It's all right. It's all right.
0: It's all right.
1: My moment of the week was uh, looking at my team and seeing that Tony isn't playing and wondering why. So, I'm sure I'll get updated on that over the course of the
2: next hour or so. He has COVID. Yeah, great.
1: Oh, and just literally five minutes before we jumped on air tonight, I found out uh, Hyunming Son has COVID as well. So. There you oh, go, that's my no. moment of the week. Everyone's got Rona.
2: Oh, there you go. Hold I would have thought it would have to be your new hero, Manuel Dennis. Um, he's been really, really good for the Watford boys lately. Even though you haven't had the best results as a team, uh, Dennis has been very, very good.
1: Has been a very, very difficult set of fixtures and things are looking a lot easier on that front running into Christmas. So yeah. let's hope his form continues and can make
0: the most of it. Ranieri's at the wheel.
1: Hey. Hell yeah. Who would have thought? Hey, Lock okay. him in long term. Just book Andrea Bocelli for
0: like <laughs> gig at Vicarage Road <laughs> in about June. I'll admit, every once in a while, I will YouTube that and watch it. Because it is,
2: it is lovely. I don't, I don't know what you good. think,
0: Dave. It's pretty amazing what he did there at Leicester that, that particular day. So I watch it from time no, to time. So I mean,
2: going on Watford's previous record, it probably book him in for a Ranieri's farewell concert in February or so. it is quite generous yes well
0: someone's got to step into manchester united once uh, that goes pear-shaped again don't they
2: well i mean my moment leo we'll go with my moment now anyway um my moment was going to be we actually had a clean sheet at old Trafford for the first time in 16 matches okay but hold on
0: stop 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 who are you versing gilby
2: Yes, yeah, I know, I know. I'm I'm grabbing at straws here, and it it was a low bar to clear, and we at least kept out Crystal Palace, even though IU should have scored. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's been a disaster at the back for a long time. Um, and I mean, the pressing that um we actually tried to do relatively coherently for a fair bit of the match was better. Um, and yeah, I mean. It's, it's gonna it's gonna be a long road back to some kind of um, Manchester United level of performances but I mean first sides are good
0: good to hear and, and Mick we haven't heard from you yet give us a moment of the week please
2: uh, my moment of the week now
3: I'd love it to start with a bit of a, a sound bite from oh, I'd say it might even be close to 10 weeks ago now but if I can quote one of the other managers on here I my prediction is Bruno Fernandes will take and score the next penalty for Manchester United. So my moment of the week was Cristiano Ronaldo taking and scoring that next penalty for United um, in the process, scoring a double and helping me to a, well, for the first of these two game weeks, getting another another, um, good score and moving up the leaderboard. So my moment of the week is a a Ronaldo um, penalty and two goals, not Bruno.
2: Well, I mean, it was even better news, West Brom won as well. So, I mean, pr- pretty rare achievements all around, all across the board.
3: Oh, no, it is it, it is a great thing. I hadn't mentioned that, Gilby, but uh, thanks for bringing that up. But, yeah, we did get a win, which is nice. Um, the two two teams above us played each other and drew, so made up two points there. So maybe things are starting to turn a corner. And like I said last week, I prefer to be doing uh poorly now than at the end of the year, so...
2: Yeah, I mean, and on that penalty situation, uh, they asked Bruno about that at the end of the match, and they said that both he and Ronaldo are on penalties, and he was happy for Ronaldo to take that penalty. They hadn't really discussed it as such. Um, So it hasn't been formalized one way or the other, but I think Ronaldo probably will be the main man on penalties from now on, which is good for Mick's team and unfortunate for my team. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see how that goes.
3: I, I think a big thing is the fact he'd already scored in that game. I think if he hadn't already scored, it might have been a bit more up for debate. But the fact that he'd already scored one and he'd just scored his 800th goal in a big game, I don't think there's many other guys in world football that you'd want taking that shot.
0: No, that's fair enough. And from to somebody from somebody who's scoring goals uh, suddenly, all, all of a sudden, to somebody who's stopped my member of the week, uh, Benteke, missing an absolute sitter, Um Probably a couple over the course of the last couple of game weeks. To be honest, um, he 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 hauled for me a couple of weeks ago, but uh, he's had some good chances since and hasn't converted, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but Palace do have some good fixtures coming up, so fingers crossed he can get back on the scoreboard uh, and actually uh, hit a few balls in the back of the net would be would be ideal. But unfortunately, it seemed to be Benteke doing Benteke things, so we'll just have to to wait and see how he goes. So. Um, Look, again, Mick, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but was your multi from last time memorable enough for you to remember what it was?
3: I I did say
2: I was going to
3: make it easy to remember. You did. So I didn't have the same issue. Because I did have two to remember. So I basically Mm. made them very similar. Unfortunately, the one I made for the second round almost happened in the first round, which would have really annoyed me. (laughs) Um, But you'll be very surprised to know, Isaac, but they did not come off this week um I had Mares for a hat-trick he did start the game he did start the game which (laughs) I mean that that alone is a good start right um against Mm. Villa he not only did he fail to score but the team as a whole didn't score three so it's hard to score a hat-trick when your team only scores two Mm. um but I did mention in that that I had Watkins as a separate bet to score a goal and I said nah they're more likely to keep a clean sheet than they will for Watkins to score and well, Watkins did score, so hmm. what I'm saying won't happen is happening. So maybe I should just do all my multi and then swap it over. Um, and then for the <laughs> second one, I went with uh, Salah to score a hat-trick. Um, and he didn't score at all. He, it was a 1-0 win for Liverpool against Wolves. Um, I think I had them to win to nil as well, possibly, as the second part of that one. But the main part was Salah to score a hat-trick. They did win to nil. Uh, But it was a 1-0 with an Origi shot. Salah did get the assist, which it might be three points, but it's not three goals. So I might be clashing at straws there, but no, um, unfortunately, no. Still no multi. Um, 15 down, 23 to go. And so, like I said, I only need one.
2: (laughs) Well, man, if we look at the positives, he did get a double in the Merseyside derby. So you could have gone with maybe that bet was around 14 instead.
3: Well, like like I said, I would have been so annoyed if that had have come off in the wrong round. Yeah. but yeah. Anyway, it, 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 it's it's not getting any closer, but it's not really getting any further. I'm remembering them at least, right? <laughs> that is
0: that is a good a good first step, I think. Now, this is a very um, not a very visual medium, a podcast. So, Dave, I just want to go back. You gave a bit of a look uh, when Mick sort of said his first multi with Marez scoring a, a hat trick. I get the sense that maybe you're starting to um, lose confidence in Mick and his multi ability. Is, is, is that sort of the look that I got there? Is Am I sort of on the mark?
1: I mean, it's pretty hard to lose confidence when the level of confidence is at an absolute base level to start with. Um, but yeah, no, I'll, I mean, I don't think I'd be putting money on Mares to score three. But, you know, it's bound to happen sooner or later, just not in any of the weeks that, Mick predicts Surely there's a fine for not
3: listening to the podcast, right? He obviously hasn't listened to it. Now, I'm pretty sure we made some comment a couple of weeks ago about how I can't wait till he hears this, and I'm sure we'll know when he's listened to it because he'll say something to us. I can't even remember what that was referring to, but it obviously hasn't happened.
1: In my defense, I was going to listen to it about or catch up on podcasts, I don't know, about a week ago or so, at which point I... I mentioned to Isaac that I probably need them to be uploaded in the first place before I can listen it's a to fair them. Call. So I, I, I was going to do a multi,
3: and I asked Maros to score three, but he just didn't do it. So, like you blame Isaac, I'm going to blame Maros. Not my tipping.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe Maros didn't get the uh, memo on when the mm. uh, podcast was updated either. So. Maybe he just didn't no, know that he were going to That's a fair do call.
0: Um, I did. I did sneakily put uh, three on in the same day, just on uh, on the on the on Friday night. I think so. You know, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I suppose this leads us beautifully into looking at the last two game weeks with the waiver wire. So, Gilby, we know you've put this all together for us. The last two weeks, there's probably been a fair bit of action. So, probably a lot less action from Dave's end but um, at least now he'll get up to date with maybe who he can't pick up because they're in somebody else's squad.
2: Yeah, okay, so because we've got two rounds to get through, we'll go fairly fast. Um. So round 14, Ben dropped Zanka for Loughton. Uh, given Zanka hadn't really, was uh, unreliable to playing, I gave that one an uh, upgrade. Dan was next, dropping Anderson from Palace for Harry Maguire. So always a questionable one when you're going for Harry Maguire, but and the Man United fixtures look pretty good, so that could turn out to be pretty good. I think I'm Anderson sure. had an injury at the time Yeah, too. Anderson had an
3: injury as well, so that's a pretty easy yep. win straight away. That's
2: right. Um, yeah. This is an interesting one. Um, I'm not sure what uh, Jeff has been doing, but he has struck it lucky again. Um, we talked on the previous podcast about how he must have had his crystal ball out when he picked up Marcus Alonso before Chilwell got injured. And um, about a week ago, he managed to drop Duffy for Taveras. So Duffy is now uh, got an um, unknown knee injury, which no one knew about until just before this game week for round 15. So I don't know; he's been pretty good there. We're uh, picking out the defenders for the future. Um, Nate was next, dropping Firmino for Morpai. So an interesting one with Firmino out as an injury, um, and he'll probably be ne- needed for uh, African Cup of Nations duty. But I don't know Morpai. It's an interesting one. I wouldn't have done that one, but a 50-50 call for me than that one. Um, he, I was next... scored though, hasn't he? he scored by? twice, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he scored two yeah. injury-time goals. So, I mean, it's looked pretty good n- and Getting now, but yeah, we'll see. Um I was next. I dropped Richie for Cooper. That was mainly just because Richie managed to get himself suspended and I brought in Cooper. Um, that tended to be very good for me in one of the rounds, but not so much in the other. Um, Isaac, you dropped Suchek for Marez, <laughs> So you took the risk there yeah. on Marez. Yeah. Um, what were you thinking there? Just looking at the potential upside and hoping it turns out?
0: I thought that Marez would score rather than Suchek scoring, and uh, that didn't work. So that was a bit unfortunate. Uh, yeah, just looking for a bit of upside, playing for City. He's got a few starts. Fingers crossed he can get that hat-trick that Mick keeps um, banging on about. So if you could stop, fro- yeah. a refrain from, from putting that in your multi, Mick, I'd, I'd
3: appreciate it. Oh, no, 100%. It's working. You guys aren't doing well when I make your players do well, so I'm going to keep <laughs> doing it.
2: Uh, All right, so I gave you an upgrade there because I thought Suchek hasn't looked as dangerous so far this season. Um, like he did attack a lot more last season with the way West Ham have been playing this season, so I gave you an upgrade there. I can see some upside there. Um, Dan was next, dropped Townsend for Takure. Uh, just an Everton swap. Not sure on that one because uh, Townsend's far more attacking than Dakure. So I was a bit 50 50 there. Dakure has a knack,
0: I was just saying quickly Dakure has a knack of picking up points when he's fit. So you never know.
3: I think uh, Dakure is more nailed on as well. Um, and with Richarlison coming back and Calvert Lewin supposedly maybe not too far away and Demari Gray and Townsend maybe not quite as nailed on as Dakure. And Dakure has. With, um, has been playing a little bit higher, especially with Alan in there, who probably
2: sits a little bit deeper. Yeah, well, the other thing, um, you won't be surprised to learn that uh, Calvert-Lewin's return has been put back another two weeks. So <laughs> great news for me again. Um, <laughs> oh, Jeff, had a so few, uh, Jeff had a few backup trades there. Nate was next, dropping Damari Gray for Jorginho. Um, another one I wasn't sure on because Gray has been very, very good, has been the biggest XG overachiever, um, of this season so far. And that form continued in this last couple of rounds. So interesting one there for me. I, I did not like that move at all. Uh, what do you think, Isaac?
0: Well, uh, I remember talking to him about this when he dropped him. I think he hadn't scored for four or five game weeks. So he was sort of looking at, well, okay, Chelsea might have some good fixtures. Jor- Jorginho's on penalties. So I think that was maybe his thinking there. But yeah, since then, he's sort of picked up a few points. So he might be one of the top property coming up in the wave of wire this week.
2: Yep, yep. So, uh, I mean, as always, hindsight's twenty twenty. 20 so um, I can definitely see why he made that move. Um, I had a few backup trades. Um, one of them was tried for Mares as well. Uh, then I dropped Canos, the Brentford wingback, because he had a bit of a knock for Dan James from Leeds. Um, just trying to make a move for a player that was going to play, and he was playing up front for Leeds at the time before Bamford came back. Worked at Wolfman, round 14, not so much in 15. Um, Isaac, you had two backup trades then, and Nate tried for Mara's as well. And then in the free agents, um, I was one person to make a move. I dropped Pontus Janssen from Brentford for Varane, hoping that he would come back a bit earlier. Did not work out for me. And then Mick was next, dropping Luke Shaw for Lampte. So, what are we thinking there, Mick? Like Lampty playing out of position and presenting the value, and sh- you weren't prepared to wait on Shaw?
3: Well, I don't. Is he really playing out of position? He's just playing as a wing back, right? Not yeah, just he's a playing pure right back.
2: He's no, he's been playing right wing for um, Brighton lately. Oh
3: well, there you go. I knew that. Um, <laughs> no, I think I knew he was. He'd returned from injury. He was a in the fantasy game last year. He was a go to for a lot of the season until I think he tore his hamstring off the bone or something like that. So he was one of those guys that had a lot of upside. I'm pretty sure Bayern Munich were rumored to be really in on him and really keen on him at the time. Um, so I knew he has a lot of upside. and Brighton defensively are a pretty solid team. Now, I saw a few stats that were saying that with uh, Lampty and the team, he's, they're just quite simply not as good defensively. Um, and there's quite a few stats out there that actually said the same. But I'd been carrying Tierney and Shaw for so long. And it was just a point where I'd just dropped Chilwell as well. And I knew Wolves had this horrible run of fixtures coming up where I just wasn't willing to have to play Saïs every week. And basically something I had to give. Um, and I was willing to have that take that risk, I guess, with Lamptey um, because he'd just come back. He'd played two or three games off the bench. I think he'd only started one game up to that point. Um, So I said, well, screw it. I know who I want. And I actually spoke to Isaac. So this was on, a, I think, last Tuesday night, it might have been, right before the game week when we were going to do the pod. We ended up doing it on the Wednesday instead. So we were talking about it. And Isaac can probably testify to just how much I was torn between Tierney and Sean. I just wasn't sure which way to go. And I sat Mm -hmm. there for a while and while. And eventually I kind of went with, well – with Tierney, I said, well, if I drop him, um, yes, he's got really good output. And for a team that's – they've they've, been, they've looked better, particularly against the lower teams. Arsenal have gone really well. But I guess Tavares has been so much better in that role. Um, so he's got some pure competition now. Whereas Luke Shaw hasn't been playing. He played well in the lead up. I thought with Ronaldo, there and an aerial threat, that he was going to be so much more valuable. Um, but it just hasn't happened. And with this concussion that he's had, I think he's had like three or four games in a row where he hasn't played. Um, and Tellez has stepped in as well. And I think it was one of those that, unlike normal, where I'm more willing to hold someone where a new manager comes in for the upside, it was almost the opposite here. From a few things that I read, he values defensive solidity a little bit more. And I think they were saying that um, Tellez maybe offers that more than Shaw does. So I said, well, out of that, in short term, with all this run of fixtures, I thought... Uh, Tierney might hold a little bit more um, hope for me, which I guess in the short term, I can say I made the right decision. Um, But yeah, Lempty then proceeded to come off the bench for that next game. I think it was, or maybe that was round 15, but came off the bench, but actually got that assist from, um, I think it was an overhead goal by, I haven't actually seen it, but an overhead kick goal in the 90 or 88th minute or something like that to win. So managed to score me five points off the bench for that game. So it worked, worked in the short term, but yeah, definitely one of those that I sat there and hummed and hawed about for a long time and I just knew I had to do something. I just wasn't sure which way to go, but always knew I wanted Lamptey. Um, just wasn't sure who to drop, but yeah, wasn't sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would have uh, very much brought Lampy in if I didn't already have Cucurella on the other side. So I didn't mind the move, but... Um, the only reason I was like surprised was because of Manchester United's run of fixtures coming up, and it does very much look like um, that Rangnick favours a narrower system and attacking wing-backs. Um, so in the system he just played, he played 4-2-2-2, um, and Tellez and um, Dalo were very, very attacking. So that'll be interesting to see if he maintains it.
3: Yeah, but if you actually look back, there's something, I know it's from like 18 months ago, but have you seen Ragnick's comments on Luke Shaw? He has outwardly named the player and said how he is not good enough for Man United. Obviously, I think the Euros have happened in that time. Um, but I, I found that a really interesting comment. Um, hmm. Obviously, that really, I guess that perfor- those performances for England maybe hopefully have changed his mind from a Luke Shaw perspective. But I found that interesting, and I did know those runner fixtures were there. Um, And I just went, well, purely in the short term, if I can get one or two extra games out of Tierney, that's a good thing. And after this morning's game against Everton, uh, I think even in the short term, um, he saved my game week, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, no, um... We'll be interesting to see what happens there um, with that one. So then we got to round 15. Um, Dan immediately then dropped a and brought in Odegaard, um, which actually did turn out quite well, given that, that um, Odegaard did actually produce some points there because uh, Smith-Rowe didn't play. So maybe got a little lucky there. But yeah, I mean... Good move in the end. Um, Mick was next. You mentioned Sace already. So dropped Sace for Kufal, the West Ham right back. Um, I had him at the start of the season. Would have been happy to keep him, but picked up an injury. So are you seeing there just the value in the position or are you liking the fixtures? What are you thinking, Mick?
3: Yeah, I I, meant, I messaged you a couple of weeks ago and said I was looking at him. He was one of the options I was looking at then. Um, I knew he'd come back from injury, played a couple of garbage minutes here and there. He's replacement Ben Johnson, I think it has been. Um, has actually done quite well for them. Um, But I think it might have been midweek in that uh, round 14 where Cresswell got injured, uh, Ben Johnson actually got moved to the left, and then Kufal came on. So I thought, well, that's maybe a good sign that they're willing, that Kufal's like less versatile, so more likely to start in that role. Um, The other thing is, I think Wolves from memory had a couple of rough games coming up. I could be wrong. Yeah, City, Brighton, Chelsea, Watford, Arsenal, Man United in the next six um that's not including the round 15 that they just had which was against liverpool so add liverpool to that as well so i thought well yes he has a goal threat more so but you've also got ait nuri kilman cody all available from wolves so if i really want them from a defensive point of view there's others there um he's only a set piece threat he's not really a threat any other way um whereas kufal obviously has all of that upside West Ham overall have been really good. Yes, they've been in a bad run before that, but maybe they've turned a corner as well. They've just started, they just had a good win against Chelsea league leaders. So that was one for a bit of upside. Um, there's obviously a bit of rotation risk with now with Johnson playing well, but if Creswell stays out of the team, Johnson stays on the left, I think, who fails a chance to stay right. and Yeah, I think yeah, there's a fair bit of upside for him.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think I would have um, been looking to drop Sace myself, so I was happy with that move as well for you. Um, Jeff was next, dropped Ings for Bamford. Looks like he might have timed it very well there with Bamford coming back to play and score a goal, and he then messaged me not long after it got confirmed that he had Bamford and said he was then proceeding to bait the hook, as he put it, and see if Isaac was prepared to bite. So... Isaac, were you prepared to bite, and will you be prepared to bite?
0: Uh, look at this stage, no. Um, he pretty much left me a very open-ended offer, which, uh, and I know Jeff will be listening. I don't, I don't particularly like open-ended offers. If you're going to offer something, offer something. Um, like I don't want to have to go back and have a look at my team and look at your team and do that sort of thing. If I, you know, I'll do that if you give me something. But so he sort of came to me and said because he he probably saw as well that uh, I went for Bamford because I, I knew that Bamford was going to be coming back. Um, the other thing I know though is that Leeds have some really 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 hard fixtures in the next four or five game weeks, and I've already got Rafinha, so it's not as I'm not as tempted to double up if I don't have to. Um, so he basically said, Mane and Watkins, who are both my players, for Bamford and who else? So, um, you know, that was his sort of open-ended offer saying, which which midfielder do you want? I'd rather he just throw one in there and then we can work from there. At least I know where he's sort of at. Um, and so I, <laughs> I I wrote back and said, Uh, Will Salah be involved? To which he said no. To which I said, I'm fine.
2: (laughs) All right. So, I mean, we acknowledge Salah probably wouldn't be involved. So, if it was Bernardo, would that be enough? Yeah.
0: I thought about that afterwards because, like I said, I didn't really look into it too hard. Um, Look, potentially... Um, but I'm taking a big leap there in saying that Bernardo's form is going to continue, where I'm fairly confident that Mane's will. Yes, there's African Cup of Nations, definitely, but um, you know Liverpool are probably the best attacking team in the in the comp. Um, I'm pretty confident that he's going to keep scoring, um, so it'd have to be a pretty big leap of faith. And I'll be honest, I'm quite keen on Watkins um, at this point in time as well. I think that he could potentially outscore Bamford for a little bit. So we'll just wait and see. Um, he scored against City, which I wasn't expecting. Um, so I'm happy to keep both of those players at this point in time. Uh, we could revisit it a bit later, but uh, well, at, the, at at that point, I was sort of thinking, "Oh no, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine." Obviously, I picked him up in the draft and was very keen to have him, but um, I'm happy enough with with where my team's at at the moment.
2: Yep. All right. Um. So next one was another potential trade bait one, but uh, Nate is famously on this podcast said that he is even worse to deal with than um. What was he comparing himself to? Dan, Isaac. I can't remember who he was rating himself to <laughs> and saying that he's terrible to deal with. Um. So he dropped Jorginho, another player we in the previous week for Tiermans. That I had for the start of the season. Mm. So, again, probably went a week early because he does seem like he'll be a little bit further away, maybe another week or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tielemans was great for me for most of the season. So, Nate potentially won't offer a trade, but he hasn't really been too keen on any trade so far. So, that'd be interesting to see if he is going to offer me something or because I've I don't think I will at the moment, looking at my midfield, because um, I know Nate will probably want more than I'm prepared to give up. So we'll see how that happens on that one. Um, I was next. I dropped Varane for sure. Um, I thought, well, if I've got an injured Manchester United defender, I may as well go with a more attacking one. So I went with that one in the hope that he might come back from his concussion. Didn't. So hoping to get some good news on that this week. So Isaac, back to Varane you... next week? <laughs> Well, I, I did think about it. I'm thinking about it, so we'll see about that one. Um, I just really like the look of Manchester United's fixtures. I like the look of what uh, Rangnick's trying to do, at least defensively. So I would really like to have a Manchester United defender there. Um, you tried for Bamford next, as we already mentioned. Um, Dan had a backup trade, also tried for Bamford, but then settled for dropping Wang for Adams. Um, bit of a 50-50 there. Both have their potential upsides. Both have a little bit of rotation risk, so it was okay. Uh, Mickey had another backup trade, which you just had in case. Jeff then, I think maybe for the fourth or fifth time so far this season, dropped Chalaba and then brought in <laughs> Taylor from Burnley. So I, I I was actually going to go back and and look at how many times Chalabar has been brought in and dropped so far this season. Mm, I, I think we, think we need a would- Chalabar count. It would it would approach double figures I think I think <laughs> yeah. it's up, I think it's about seven or eight at least so for the next podcast I might actually look back and count that. Um, I had some backup trades then and then I dropped James uh, from Leeds for Townsend. I was agonizing over whether I should pick Townsend or gray and pick Townsend and that was the wrong choice. So we already mentioned that Gray has been massively overachieving his XG and did again this round where all three of his efforts from Arsenal were outside the box. Um, he had no touches in the penalty box, but also had a goal on an assist. So completely outperforming the XG at the moment. And I went with the numbers and did not work out for me at all that way. Uh, on the free agents, Mick, you dropped Saar for Fernandez. Was that more based on Wolves' fixtures that you already mentioned?
3: Yeah, Wolves fixtures. I also had a look at, I mean, effectively, eight of us in the league, two keepers each, 16. meant there was four keepers available. Out of the four that were available, I tried to find the one that matched up the best for with the keeper I already had. Now, Saar and Cruel, my two keepers, actually both matched up pretty well with uh, Fernandez from Brentford. So, And I think Brentford, out of the teams that were there, were the best defensively. Everton, Pickford, I think, still available as well, but they just haven't looked very good defensively at all. Um, and I think the other two might be Watford and I couldn't tell you actually off the top of my head who the last one is Um, but I thought with the fixtures that are there with Saar being there I think it was just one of those that I was like well easy to get rid of Um, it did mean I was dropping double wolves and they've been pretty good but um, worked out well for me again picked up a clean sheet um, worked so I was pretty happy with that
0: two thoughts Um, thought number one I'm interested to know how you ended up with those two keepers and not someone who's maybe a bit more premium. And the other thought would be, I wonder how many points you've got from your keepers this this uh, season in comparison to a couple of us other managers who maybe have a more higher profile keeper, if you know what I mean. Like, I, did, did you have someone else and had to drop them? I can't recall. I
3: had David Raya from Brentford who got injured. Oh, yeah, and he then did his So now I've basically swapped to the other Brentford keeper after so was- having cruel from the middle.
0: So is it, there was no one from like a, a team like a Chelsea? I, in the
3: draft, enough? I went straight through and I'm pretty sure my last two picks were the two keepers. Right, okay. So that... that
1: he made sure that he picked up the likes of Sterling, uh, and Sterling yeah. Habit, before yeah. he worried about yeah. habits, before he worried Habit about cool. keepers. So
3: I went with that and Brentford worked quite well through the middle um, through this early part of the season though. So it worked really well. The Wolves actually have a, had a decent defensive record. Um, but yeah with, yeah, with that run of fixtures that Wolves had for a while, I thought, well, I can get rid of him. Chances are other people aren't going to really rotate their keepers too much unless there's a really good match with the keeper they already have if he matches well, which may do. I know that's something Gilby's likely to look at to see if it's a better option, but I just thought even for one week, it's worth doing. And chances are if, if, I, don't, if I don't have another trade on the table and I, there's a good matchup, well, I'll trade it again. I think it's something that overall we probably haven't done enough is find a good matchup where it works and said, okay, well, I'll drop him for one week. And um, the other thing in a short term basis is it was Newcastle, oh, sorry, Brentford against, who was it? Brentford against, I can't even remember who they played. Um, Leeds at the time. So wasn't ideal, but I also thought they get a lot of shot saves. So they're, they're a mid range keep. I, I think we've, we've looked at this before, but the mid mid table keepers almost get better points. Um, because they get save points and the clean sheets against the low teams. So, and I think a couple of seasons ago when Matty Ryan was playing for Brighton, he was actually doing quite well in Robert Sanchez last year. Um, so it's one of those, unless you get a Chelsea, so a really good defensive team, or Man City who gets all the clean sheets, you're almost better off getting a team like a Palace, for instance, who have been really good defensively get clean sheets, but actually cop a lot of shots and get shop saves as well, which is why I've got Cruel and He's actually done pretty well for me. I haven't even really looked at dropping him since.
0: Hmm. I'd love to see a manager-to-manager manager keeper trade. That would be like the most boring trade ever. But I so hope <laughs> I so hope that there's one between now and the end of the season. That'd be wonderful.
2: Yep. So we had then the final two trades were another keeper trade, just mentioning that. We had then dropping McCarthy, who is injured. Um, excuse me, for Dubravka from Newcastle. So, bit of a like-for-like swap there. Newcastle not being good at all defensively, but hopefully improved under Eddie Howe for Ben's sake. And then Dan Have, was last. Just quickly tripping. on that sorry. one, sorry,
3: Gilby. Have you looked at Newcastle's fixtures? Leicester, Liverpool, City, United, Everton, and Southampton in a row. I, I mean, I understand he was injured, but I'm not quite sure if Ben looked at who Newcastle had next. Admittedly, save points. admittedly, he got the clean sheet against Burnley, but that is an awful run of fixtures to come home with. Well, so I, mean, I, I, I found that really strange. At,
2: well, looking at the other keepers, um, I just looked myself when we were talking about the keepers. Uh, Pickford is available from Everton. Um, and other than that, <laughs> you've got Barkman at Watford. So uh, I don't I'm know how it a, a Dave right feels now. about the Watford defence.
3: I'm going to throw it out there
1: right now. Yeah, I still don't think that Backman's nailed on either. I think Foster picked up an injury in a charity game. uh, And whilst I think Backman isn't far off becoming the long-term nailed-on keeper, he's not there yet. It's still 50-50 once Foster's um, fit again.
3: Um, I reckon this week you will see Ben sign another Southampton keeper that's signed today by the name of Willie Caballero. <laughs> so with... Fre-
0: Ooh, and expensity. Chelsea City legend.
3: So I, I would not be surprised to see that. Um, and if it happens, you've got to say that's a good trade, right? He traded in for a keeper that got a clean sheet and then traded out for another keeper. So maybe he, knows, maybe he did it on purpose, but still found that really strange.
2: Yeah, I mean... Tough on there, but, I mean, Ben's famous for making some surprising moves, which sometimes work out and sometimes definitely don't. So then Dan was last, dropping Zuma for Ben Mee, a fantasy rock for a number of seasons now. Burnley's defense have not been as solid so far this season, but uh, Zuma, I think, doesn't look like he's reliably playing for West Ham, so I was happy with that trade as the last one.
3: Zuma's just done his hamstring, so he's out for a couple of weeks. But I will point out, I've spoken to Dan about this, this is the second time Dan has brought Ben Mee in. Both times, he has missed out last minute due to injury. (laughs) So he's actually actually put him in twice and not played him at all. But he actually got really lucky this week, because as a result, he had someone come off his bench for big points. So it was one of those that it was unlucky, but it also worked out well because it forced his hand into a different team. So I just thought that was strange. He's brought him in twice, and he's had about the same amount of game time as Chalabar.
2: Yep, the Dan curse on trades continues. So with that, that is the end of the transactions for two rounds worth. I am guessing there's going to be more mayhem over the next couple of weeks. So I was just looking between the end of this round and the next round is about 24 hours. So it's going to be interesting, particularly now and Christmas, seeing all the trades that will come flying in from everywhere as people try to salvage disasters or hold off the chasing pack.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be plenty of people trying to chase points, um, trying to get up that ladder, which we'll talk about right now. So uh, currently in the league ladder, uh, first after game week 14 and 15, uh, is myself on 735 points. Um, So in the last two weeks, I've picked up 48 points and 33 points in this current game week. So um, last game week, my 48 points... um, Sort of some good performances all around with Mendy getting four, Robertson getting seven, uh, Rafinha getting eight, uh, Pukki getting eight as well. Uh, and then, you know, just sort of everyone chipping in from there. So Mora with a clean sheet, shut out. Ben Teke, unfortunately, he came off the bench. Uh, actually looked really good coming off the bench, but then he missed an absolute sitter to to um, at least tie that game with Leeds. Uh, the only unfortunate part of that 48 points was that uh, I left Watkins on the bench. They were versus City. I wasn't didn't have any high hopes, uh, but he managed to score a goal and get three bonus points. So that was very surprising considering Man City actually won the game as well, 2-1. Um, so I wasn't expecting that. So I sort of missed out on nine points in the bench there in that Forty-eight point game week Uh, and then this week 33 points which wasn't my best week Um, I've had I think three game weeks in the 30s um, over the course of this these 15 game weeks Um, and uh, looking at this game week the, the really only two highlights for me were Robertson and Rafinha both getting five points um, and then everyone else sort of just chipping in with some appearance. Oh, Lucas Mora getting nine points as well, which was good. I'm glad that um, I was able to bring him in. Um, he's looked really, really good um, since Conte's come in. So he got me nine points this week as well. So, um, you know, really only uh, able to pick up appearance points for the, from everybody else. Um, so 33 wasn't the best this week, but it has still kept me in the lead and uh, sort of, Just edged a little bit further in front of Gilby this game week, Um, so Gilby still in second place, Um, still in second place with a total of uh, 700 points, so um, 35 points behind, so bridge the gap a little bit, Um, this game week only 30 points, how'd you go in game week 14?
2: You know, really happy with game week 14, other than my strikers continuing to blank. or um, Aubameyang's misses being particularly frustrating the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cooper move was really good for me with the 12. Um, I've got a Manchester United triple up in midfield now with Fernandez, Sancho and Rashford. Two of them gave attacking returns, which is good. Dire shutout. So 58 points in game week 14. So really happy with that one. Closed up the gap a bit, as you mentioned. Game week 15 was not so good. Uh, appearance points across the board other than a dire shutout and Antonio finally contributing an attacking return, but it was a lucky assist only. And I was actually looking a bit more at Antonio and look at, have a look at his stats. He has actually uh, created more chances in the last nine game weeks than he has taken shots. So for someone that was top of the league for... Chances, big chances, shots in the box, all those things at the beginning of the season, it has not been a good run at all for him. But we're staying about to have a pretty good run of fixtures. So, interesting one there. I know a lot of people in the real game are comparing Bowen and Antonio. Uh, Bowen's now the joint fifth highest mid, and he's actually level with Antonio on points. And he scored twice as many points as Antonio over the last 12 game weeks. So... Been an interesting one, whether you're tossing up Antonio or Bowen there. But, yeah, mixed one for me. Um, I'm happy to keep the Manchester United triple up for now um, because I think their fixtures is going to be really good. Happy with those three. But as we lead into that mid-season draft, I'm probably going to have to sacrifice one of them and I'm just going to be tossing up which one it'll be.
0: No, fair enough. And I'm still surprised with Laquetta a little bit, really not still getting much of a look-in at the moment.
2: Yeah, extremely frustrating. Uh, The only positive being that Chelsea's defense have been a little less than watertight the last Mm. few weeks. So that's probably been the only positive there. But yeah, I was tearing my hair out for a few weeks there, thinking of all those shutout points I could have had and looking at how many points he got me in that start of the season run. When he started for about six weeks in a row, and was averaging about eight or nine points. So yeah, frustrating one there. Um, and even this week when I saw that Chalabo got injured, I thought, okay, great, he'll come in, Uh, but he picked Christensen instead for that spot. So, yeah, not sure what will happen, given that he conceded three to West Ham. Maybe that makes it a bit more likely, Um, but, yeah, I mean, interesting one there. Tuchel uh, seems to be pretty keen on the rotation. Yeah, and and, uh, I
0: suppose... We need to maybe look at third place now, um, about 30 points or so behind you, Gilby, is Nathan. Now, he has been pretty consistent over the last two game weeks, 44 points in game week 14, 43 points um, in game, work, game week 15. Sorry, um, He was able to pick up some points from um, a player who we mentioned before, who he, he picked up um Dropping for uh he got eight points in game week fourteen. Richarlison picked up five points. Smith Rowe picked up seven points. Regulon picked up uh, twelve points. Um, De Bruyne still hasn't been playing for him, so that's his um, that's his his key player, his first round draft pick, still getting zero points, but he's still able to get you know mid forties, which um, you know shows how good his squad is going at the moment. That's without Cancelo necessarily doing too well at this point. Uh, in time, either, so that's pretty good for him.
3: Yeah, I actually had a look. Um, I was having a look at some of the stats, and I haven't got them with me, unfortunately. They're on a different laptop, but basically, the stat that I found was if you take out the first two weeks of the season, I'm pretty sure before last game week, Nathan was within 15 points of you at the top, Isaac. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so it was take
3: out those first two weeks where he just he didn't start that well, and this is without him having a single game week over 60 points. Hmm. A lot of consistency So his consistency has been impressive. Hmm. So I think it's something that we, we all know at some point or other, we're going to have a week each where we get 70, 80 points. Yep. Gilby's had two of them right at the start. Dan's had one a couple of weeks ago. It takes one or two players in your team to get a double or a clean sheet and an assist or three bonus points. And it adds up really quickly. And I think it's a matter of time when KDB starts playing Um, And I'm sure Nathan's got a few other guys, Richarlison could easily as well, um, where they can get a double quite easily and get 15 points. So Mm. I don't think it's out of possibilities for him to have a round where he scores 70 points. And he's right in the reckoning. I have no doubt in 5, 10 weeks' time, he's still going to be within 50 points because he's been that consistent.
1: I know Gilby wants to jump in, but um, I just want to say you mentioned uh, Richarlison. My old mate, Ricky from Rio, uh, I, yeah. you know, have been busy. What, did what not team see did he game, used to play for? Sorry, that, Dave. Um, this, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Some team in yeah, Brazil, yeah. ages ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> he could have had a hat-trick this morning if he wasn't born offside. In,
3: in fairness, I've seen a, picture, a still picture of one of them and it doesn't look offside. It looks like they've drawn the line as if his foot's in the air and they've put it down on the ground in front when his foot's planted on the ground. And I'm pretty sure it's right about on the 18-yard line. So it even looks, according to the lines that are on the field, that he's onside. So that one looked a bit rough as well. But I I didn't actually see it. I've only seen a still picture. But I think that might be a bit hard done by...
2: Yeah, the only cool um, moment I saw there with Reguilon is um, he went off on 22 minutes with an injury, um, but it was a pretty minor one, and he's confirmed after the match, and he posted on his own Twitter, um, don't sell me an FPL, I'm coming back soon. So <laughs> oh, he's, he's well aware of... Well aware of his value in FPL at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, Spurs look really good as well. So um, Davies, Sanchez, Mara and Son were all double-digit returns. So um, that's an interesting one there. Kane went blank again despite having five shots. So I don't know whether uh, this might be Nate's time maybe to move for some more Spurs assets possibly. But, um, yeah, I just thought it was a really cool moment from Reguilon.
0: There you go. I love it. He's probably going to triple captain himself this week as well. No doubt he plays the game. Um, and uh, we were talking about it before, but, you know, you look at his team. You've got people like Regulon, Cancelo, Smith-Rowe, Gallagher, Rich Richarlison, Jimenez, all capable of picking up double digits. So I think you've got something there, Mick. It, it's a, It is. Probability suggests that it won't be too long before he is able to pick up a pretty big haul. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what that one looks like. And then in game week 15 for Nath, 43 points. Um, in that particular one, we've got Matip with a shutout for six, Richardson with nine, Mopea with nine, Barnes with eight, uh, that's where the bulk of his points came from. So, you know, he's he's doing really well, really consistent, um, shuffling up and maintaining his spot uh, up the leaderboard. And he's been able to maintain a, a nine-point gap over Jeff in fourth place. So if we have a look at Jeff really quickly, again, been really consistent, um, 43 points in game week 14. Um, all of his backs blanked uh, and only got one point. Uh, but again, his midfield um, has come home strong. Uh, 15 points for Salah, 5 points for Havertz, 5 points for Sterling, and 10 points for Bernardo. Um, He's really been able to maximise his midfield and get some really, really good points. And I was thinking as well, um, with Salah doing so well, I'm sure that if we were playing the same sort of system we were last year where we got double points for captain, uh, Jeff would be well and truly in front, or at least very, very close with Salah having done so well. So uh, you know, obviously with that change we, we don't have that luxury to double double point out a captain, but uh Jeff would be doing beautifully. So uh if I look really quickly before maybe I we'll make a comment on his team overall, game week fifteen, forty seven points. Again, midfield absolutely uh, comes to his rescue um as well as Allison and Van Dyke getting shutouts. Um, so picking up some clean sheet points. Seller on six, Sterling on seven, Bernardo on 15. Um, I could have had a piece of that 15 if I did some trading with Bamford also scoring, but hey, that's how it goes. Um, but I, I suppose I just wanted to to make mention um, Mick of, of Sterling and uh, last two game weeks, two goals um, coming in with some really, really nice points. Um, I said last week that I really loved your pickup of Gunduan, but uh, Sterling has been doing the business
3: yep and I would have maintained I probably would have held him for longer if this was the other game with sorry by the other game I mean our old one with 22 players I wouldn't have got rid of him I still think he has more upside than Marez. which I'm amazed then when I look at the free the waivers and I see everyone that went for Marez and I guess all the like All the everything I copped for having Sterling now, I realize he's not a number one pick. I get that, that's there's no arguments there, but I still think he was worthy of a place in the team. In saying that, do I think I got value for him? Yeah, okay, in the short term, but long term, it's going to be hard to say. I think Sterling will start enough games, he'll get enough points to be worthy of a fourth, fifth, sixth maybe round draft pick. Um, depending on where you're drafting from, um, Gunda 1 may be slightly higher than that, but Gunda 1's obviously inflated because KDB's out. Um, Sterling's only doing that well because Grealish and Foden suddenly seem on the outer. Grealish, after being the most played player, I think for the first 11 game weeks or something, has barely played.
2: Yeah, yeah he's barely played since. So,
3: not sure what the go is there, whether something's changed with um, Pep and him or. But Foden's not had a go. And then Jesus was also injured for this round, I think it was. So um, I think it was a bit fortunate that I think Sterling got that start in the last one. But I still think he's got a lot of upside. Um, he will score goals. But yeah, so be it. Luckily for Jeff, he's the one that's getting the returns mm. on him.
0: One thing I will say though, Mick, is it it's easier to justify doing a free agent trade for someone like Mares with a player who's not doing so well and bringing oh, Mares in instead than... You know, doing a trade when you've got a player doing quite well for Sterling, who just wasn't playing, and so you, you yeah. you'd understand that,
3: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I can understand where you're coming from, and I, I get that he's not a first round draft pick, but I still think that there's a lot of value to him, and if he's sitting on the waiver, I'd be very surprised, barring injury mm. or a massive return yeah. from injury and return to form for every other city forward. So,
0: did yeah. we pre-pressure you into it? Do you think?
3: You forced me to consider it more off more than I probably would have. Yes. Um, in saying that I was because of everything that had happened with, um, Timo Werner and Lukaku and have starting for that period of time. I knew I couldn't carry both and have was starting, so I was probably more likely to drop Sterling. Um, but then the fact that I managed to get rid of both of them in a trade, it worked out well.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And look, um, you know, Jeff is doing well. He's he's gone big with the, the teams that he's bringing players in from, uh, which he likes to do. He's he's mentioned that on the pod when he came on. Um, so it's a good strategy. Um, he's he's picking up good points. So it'll be interesting to see just how far he can climb that leaderboard as we go through. Now in fifth place, Dave, you've you've gone up in the league ladder. Uh, at least it from the last game week, on 628 points. Um, now, this will probably be a really um, informative exercise for you, Dave, in terms of looking at your team for the first time in a few weeks. So feel free to run us through game week 14 and game week 15.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I am looking at it with pretty fresh eyes. Um, nice to know that I have managed to fend off the uh little brief charge from mick there who was very temporarily ahead of me um but yeah game week 14 uh fabianski looks like he did nothing christiansen hey. he played other than that did nothing taa did nothing Livramento, <laughs> what he do he did nothing but he only got one point so what was that a yellow card or something Goals conceded um Goals conceded. Yep, that'll do it. Um, Grealish one point, did nothing. Benrahma three points, did nothing. Uh, Norgard two points, did nothing. Edward two points, did nothing. Tony two points, did nothing. Bench a combined three points across four players, did nothing. Uh, but Son with eight and Wilson with nine rescued me for a.
2: And you forgot. Total manager thirty-four. Did nothing.
1: Manager did absolutely <laughs> nothing. So to come away with thirty-four, I don't know how that sits compared to the other players. Pretty in game terrible. Week Fourteen, but I can't uh, remember. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean,
2: it wasn't. It wasn't too bad um, because nobody has had anything massive the last couple of weeks. So you, you have done all right. Like you definitely haven't really conceded much ground. Yeah, and you minimized Andrew Andrew. the damage. Sure you're about to talk about round 15 and that that was um very very solid for you.
1: Yeah, and again, manager does nothing. Uh, but came out with 47, which I think was the equal second highest, so can't complain. Um I'm just well, bringing up my complain, thing now and my all, uh we'll find something to Yeah, I'm just reloading my screen because my scores didn't come up. Um, Fabianski, two. Christensen, a grand total of zero. So, yes, Gilby, you mentioned that he played before, but I wish he hadn't. (laughs) Um, Livramento, two. Walker got me five. TAA got me nine. Um, Again, Wilson and Son saved the day. So, 13 from Son, nine from Wilson, and again a grand total of three from my four players on the bench, uh, of which Martinez scored all three. So definitely work to do. I've got a couple of uh, Doritos of death on Tony and Bailey, so I need to sort out what's going on there. Uh, Grealish did get me three points, but as Mick mentioned, he has seemed a bit out of favour. And I need to think about what I'm doing with Stones because I did originally just bring him in uh, as a short-termer. Um, so, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do in the next
3: uh, uh, Just, Just quickly, Dave. Um, I'm really curious, and I think some others might be as well. Is it really nice to see a forward come back from injury and get some points after carrying them for such a long period of time?
1: I mean... Wilson wasn't. Oh, I mean, compared to, to Calvin,
3: maybe not, but it must be good to actually hold him oh. for a while and get oh, the points. Shay.
0: Oh, wow!
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I see what you're doing here, and I'm all for just kicking Gilby while he's down. Like I'm a big fan.
3: I mean, I, I just I, don't I would think argue that you're I'm making a great down, point. So I'm going to try and kick whatever I can. What is? <laughs> <laughs> he scored four Three,
0: since four. coming back in week eight. Wilson only missed. Four game weeks. Wilson
1: only missed, yeah, four games. Like, and yeah, as Isaac said, four goals since then. And I mean, Newcastle can't win a game, going
0: so it's 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 obviously not helping. But it's good for you. No, but
1: yeah, I mean, as long as he's scoring and they're losing, then Mm. everyone wins, right? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, no. Moral of the story is, been incredibly busy, had literally no time to watch any games or do anything with my team, other than the very last minute, oh crap, who am I going to actually play and bench this week, which hasn't mattered anyway, because I've had lots of players not actually take the field. Um, But yeah, I think now that I'm through that, hopefully through that rough patch, I can refocus and... Kick home through well, the uh, Christmas let's now get on to period. somebody
0: who's had all the time in the world, watched all the games, done all the analysis, done so many trades, but has gone backwards. That's Mick in uh, sixth place. Now, I don't think all of that's true, to be fair, but uh, the, the you going know, backwards is yeah, yeah, the, no, the going backwards definitely is. Uh, so look, uh, four points behind Dave. Uh, he did say he's fended you off thus far in the last couple of game weeks. So, um, this week maybe wasn't so great, but uh, last week. Oh, last game week was a was a beauty.
3: Well, we'll start with that week because yeah, <laughs> it worked pretty well. Um, across the board, returns except for Cash with one. Um, Chris and, Wood and with you got one. No wood. Hmm. And Ward-Prowse with two. Um, apart from that, Ronaldo 13, which I mentioned before. Jesus got five. Madison 10. For now, six. Size 6. Emerson Royals uh, 8. Lanty, four off the bench, and Jose Saab, the keeper, for six. Um, so worked really well. And I'm pretty sure I had a couple of auto subs. Um, good on, one went on. out, but it was cash that came in for a point. So one of those was an automatic sub anyway. So 62, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that won the round, um, which might have mm-hmm. been the second round win in a row. I know it was the second score of wow. 60 um, that I had. And it, like Dave said, I was above him temporarily, and it was great. I was up to in fifth. The, and,
0: in the nosebleed section, mate.
3: Oh. It was great. I, I did say – now, I'm, I could be wrong, but I think at the start of the season, I said, yes, I'd like to beat Nathan. Everyone knows that. Nathan obviously knows that. But I'm pretty sure the second half of that was I'd be disappointed if I'm not top half. I will say it is nice to be getting closer to the top half. Maybe so, – maybe I mean,
0: would you be content with the top half of the bottom half? No. It still has top half in it? No? Okay. I mean,
3: It does. I mean, I, I've been top half of the bottom two. Does that count? Um, but, sure. yeah, it, it's it's starting to turn a corner, which is nice. Um, I think there's been a few. It's going to happen with rotation through this period, but Jesus and Gundawan both missing out randomly. Tierney, that's missed a lot. Um, and then I think Emerson Royal randomly missed this last round. So, first round so, there was really good.
0: So, you turned a corner. Did you turn the right way, though, this game week?
3: Well, for Green Week 15, going into this morning's round, uh, this morning's match, which was uh, Arsenal Everton, the last one of the round, I was on a lovely uh, 18 points from nine players, and I was a long, long way behind everybody else, so I was worried. Um, I did have two players to play, Tierney and Saka, um, which I guess when you say it like that, everyone knows the score, it was 2-1 to Everton, and, but Tierney got the assist for the goal and actually got subbed off, and I was fortunate enough to actually have the game on. I was uh, had a bit of free time right around that time and I actually said to my colleague, I said, I hope he gets subbed off soon. Just bank it, just bank it. And then all of a sudden I see him walking off and I started celebrating him. Like, I've never celebrated for my player getting substituted before. <laughs> to then go and see them concede too, I was just, this is brilliant. It just worked out so well. You know what
0: the absolute crock is? that he got three bonus points as well for going off early 100%. in the losing team. I, I,
3: that is absolutely I crazy. I got a message for Jeff from Jeff, and he's like, that's an eight-point swing because uh, it cost him four points for Tavares, and I got four points, and I said, mate, it's more like seven points because I got three bonus for it as well, so it's an 11-point swing.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> so it worked out really well, and I, I guess that kind of saved me. It got me up to 34, which I still think only got me sixth for the round. Yeah. Um, But I think the highest for the round was really low. So, I mean, low being 50, 47, something like that, 48 with Ben. So, 14 points behind. um, And that's to someone who was behind me. And the two people I beat are first and second. So, I made up a point on the top. As far as I'm concerned, (laughs) I may have moved down the ladder, but I'm closer to winning the whole thing than I was. I love the mindset. if if I, I love the I've mindset. got I've got my graph on my work computer and it's it's got me trending upwards and it has been for the last four weeks it's it's on a gradual incline so I just hope it can continue um we, we've said for a while that Ronaldo will have his weeks and he's had one I just hope there's more of them
0: no fair fair enough I'm looking forward to Ronaldo helping you win the title this year that would be uh, epic uh, considering that you're so- so far behind, um, you know, yeah, just be a good story, Mick. It would be a good story.
3: So, I mean, it would, but there's still twenty three weeks left. There We've are only played fifteen. Yep, no, please. Um, so
1: what's what's 111 divided by? Yeah, it's five twenty a odd. Week. What is it?
3: five point two. No, 20. sorry, yeah. not quite, but something like that. <laughs> it, it's not that much. Like so if it's if you have one really good week, like I said, everyone's going to have one week where they score seventy. More than likely, it's assumed we should get one week, Um, and you need others. The problem
1: is Mick, and I have this problem. Yeah, I have this problem as well. Uh, It's really rare for the likes of Gilby and Isaac to have a week where they're. I mean, barely. You could argue they have them. (laughs) I did. They have them rarely. This is
3: one of the things I was having a look through the stats. Is I tried to go through and I tried to remove everybody's top two rounds to, I guess, solidify, okay, if you take out that outlier, assuming everyone has one or two outliers, how does it rank? And it, there's a lot of pretty similar. And then I went through and did the same thing where you remove everyone's top and everyone's bottom. Now, if you look at someone like Gilby, for an example, he scored an 82 in his first or second week, I think it was, but then he also had an 18 for the other one. Now, if you look at, say, Nathan, who I said before, I think his top score might only be a 58 or 59, but his worst score is either high 20s or low 30s. So he's losing 80 points on that. Gilby's losing 100. But with an 82 point there, it's a really big score. So it's one of those things that consistency pays off. Everyone's going to have that really big one. It's who can, who on a bad week still gets 30. And I'd like to think that I've just had a really bad week where I'm pretty sure almost all of my players, bar Tierney, got appearance uh, points. Sorry, there was Gundogan as well. Everyone else only got appearance points and I still managed to get 34. So pretty happy with that and particularly because it was a very low scoring week overall
0: well let's talk about seventh and eighth now so we've got uh in seventh dan uh he's had two game weeks uh maybe where he would uh hope for some more points um he's got 37 in this particular game week 15 and and only 32 in game week 14 and having a look at his squad here uh, only really Loris and Samado who were able to pick up some good points, seven and nine apiece. Uh, otherwise, it was uh, it was it was pretty dire reading. I'm sure he would have hoped James played that particular game in game week 14 and scored some points again. What against Watford, he didn't start. Um, so that's that's obviously a bit disappointing in game week 14 for Dan at this point in time.
2: Yeah, the interesting one I was going to ask you, boys, um, if you had Lukaku, what would you do? Is he oh. going to hold, or is he a drop, or is he a trade bait? Oh, He's not
0: dropping. He could be trade bait, but he's definitely not dropping.
3: 100%. I'd be waiting until a mini run of good fixtures where he performs works, and then I would be shipping him off to someone who has an underperforming player. Um or an injured player that's potentially going to return. But trying to, I guess, wait until the value maybe goes up a bit because he's probably been out too long now. He's held him for too long to not get something from him. His value's gone down too much. Um, but yeah, at this stage, he's going to hold on to him. But as soon as he gets a couple of goals under his belt again, I'd be looking looking around and seeing what's out there for him.
0: Hmm. The unfortunate thing um, for pardon me, Dan, this particular game week as well, is that he had Odegaard uh, on the bench for seven, which uh, uh, didn't work out too well for him. As it was, he had um, Bowen on the bench, who came in for me. Bowen got 11 points, um, Mbwema got five points, and Maguire got seven, Laris got six, and then everyone else sort of got ones and twos. So that's where his 37 points came from this week. Um, He's, you know, down towards the bottom, a few points ahead of Ben, who is in eight. A- place who we'll talk about now um, Ben had a pretty good week this week 48 points um, but last week again 45 points so he's been pretty good he's been making up ground um, <clears throat> trying to get out of out of last place there and his points in game week 14 came from Henderson with 13 Mount with 12 so he got some pretty big points there there wasn't really much to write home about anywhere else um, Loughton with 5 points as well which isn't too bad and then this week 48 points, pretty good considering it was a lower scoring round. Um, seven for Foden, eight for Tiago Silva, six for Debravka, which we've spoken about. Mount got 13 again, so Mount's in a bit of form. Um, and, you know, he's, he's moving in the right direction, which is is a good thing for Ben at this point in time.
3: I would almost argue he's doing it like perfectly the way it's worked. He's moving up on the leaderboard. He's doing really well, but he's maintaining that first pick every week. So he can pick up that best player in the draft every week. So I mean he's only just I'm pretty sure it's only a handful of points in front of Dan, but it's I guess he, he gets that first pick every week, so he can do he can drop someone that short term, pick him up again the next week. So I think he's doing really well to be able to do that. And I, like I said for myself, I'd like to say I'm still in the race for the top, but I, I don't think anyone's outside the top four hopes yet. I think everyone still has a very legitimate shop of shot of getting into that top four. Um, and I think Ben's included in that.
2: So similar problem for Ben as um, Dan with Akaku. Kane with only one goal so far out of fifteen rounds. Is he a hold and for the rest of the season for you boys, or what do you? What's the value on Kane at the moment?
3: I I messaged Ben two weeks ago. I probably speak to him the most out of you guys, seeing as well I'm related to him, um, but. I messaged him two weeks ago after I think everybody had had a go at Kane. Right, as it might have been right as Conte came in. And he said, no, I'm waiting to see how it goes. And I said, I'm like, oh, it's fair enough. Give it, like I said, give it two weeks. If he hasn't performed, you can expect a message from me because I'll probably still be going at him. It went, I'm pretty sure they won their first game 3-0, maybe 2 or 3-0. Harry Kane proceeded to barely have a shot on target. I couldn't help myself. I sent him a message going, so how's Kane looking? And he just goes. I hate it, but I can't not. I can't not have him. I can't get rid of him. Um, and then he proceeded to do nothing again over this weekend. Um, I am yet to send him a message, but if this comes out before I send one, I, you can pretty be be pretty confident I am going to send him one. Um, but he still seems pretty content on holding on to him. So, like I said in our group chat, Kane is looking more like the Firmino of um, Tottenham at the moment. He's. He's involved in the build-up without getting anything fantasy-related.
1: He never gets in the box these days. He's playing as a not-even-attacking midfielder. You have a look at his heat maps, and I, don't, I don't, don't know what he's been like the last two or three games, but um, prior to that, it, all his touches were on the halfway line. He He's not getting forward at all. Or it, what he is, he's not getting any service.
0: <laughs> That's I think we're just stunned at the level of analysis that has gone into that comment, Dave. I don't think anyone of us were actually expecting that. Uh, is that too harsh to say?
1: It wasn't really analysis. That's just the vibe, uh, the Mavo. Are just ranting? The, you know. I'm not ranting. I don't have Kane. I don't give a fuck what he does. He's not in my team this year. He can do stuff all for all I care.
2: I've just had a look at the heat map for your player, day for Son Heung-min versus Kane, and they're, they're pretty similar, really. Um, the only <laughs> difference is I'll yeah, say Son-, Son is attacking Son's not a striker. Ride, whereas Harry Kane's red zones are kind of in between, you probably say the center circle to the 18. So, yeah, right, he does appear to be getting into the box less, but, yeah, on pure numbers...
1: Say that again, but louder.
2: <laughs> get into the box less, um, <laughs> but... But I will say it's...
1: I meant the bit about how I was right.
0: About you were right. Oh, yeah, well,
2: uh, we don't right. need to say that. Get into the box yeah. less, yes. <laughs> um, we'll keep repeating that. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, like, if you're comparing Spurs' assets, I mean, Son with six goals and two assists versus one goal and one assist, you know who you're going. With, um, what's I say? In terms of that Kane, though, it Son
3: and the kind of getting touches in the same position, but if you're touching it around the half line and carrying the ball forward, who would you prefer to have the ball at your feet, Son or Kane? Son every day of the week from halfway. Son. That's not even a question.
1: Yeah, because Son can actually, Son can actually score from outside the box. Doesn't need tap ins or penalties.
3: So, but an interesting one I wanted to put put forward to you is if so, like we did for Lukaku. But what's Kane's value now? So, for instance, we, we know he's on the table. Well, he was on the table. He may be less on the table now, but there's lots of offers thrown out there. Where does Kane rank in terms of forward assets? He, we've all said he was a top five pick at the start of the season. I think we've all been a little bit lucky that we haven't ended up with him in a way, um, because we'd be struggling as a result, um, or somewhat struggling as a result. So, who who are the top? Who are the premium strikers in the league right now?
2: Well, I mean, the way the league's going at the moment, no, there's not many strikers who are in form across the board. Like the top striker in points is, I think it's still Vardy. I'm just gonna have a look myself now. Um, but I think Antonio was still the top striker a couple of weeks ago, which says more about the rest of the strikers rather than how he's mm-hmm. going. But yeah, Vardy is the top. Uh, Dennis is in second, and Antonio's third. So I mean, the striking it has not been a good year for forwards at all, really. Um, When you've got the top striker on 77, and then when you look at uh, Salah on 152, and then you've got alexander Cancello 99 and 84, um, I picked a bad season to go heavy on strikers by the looks of it. But, I mean, with how bad I consider my luck to have been these last few weeks with some of those strikers and the injuries I've had to be second, um, I'm going to take that as a positive.
3: If you got an offer for a fit Calvert-Lewin for Harry Kane, would you take it?
2: Well, at the moment, the latest return date for Calvert-Lewin is Boxing Day. So it's going to be a while before I have to consider that because it'll probably get delayed again to January. Imagine
3: Ben wraps up a Christmas present, puts under the tree, and on Christmas Day he says, I'll give you a cane for Calvert-Lewin. you saying yes or no?
2: Um, I'm saying no, um, but I would say yes, I would trade Aubameyang for Kane. Um, okay. Even though Aubameyang scored a lot more points, I definitely would rank Kane ahead of Aubameyang. I mean, um, when a club captain
3: can't get on the bench, sorry, can't get a game, but not only that, but Eddie Enkedia, who has asked for a transfer away, gets game time off the bench in front of the club captain. Something's not going on there for Aubameyang, so I don't blame you for having Aubameyang a bit lower than Kane.
2: Yeah, no, but uh, you know how much I love stats. I was just actually looking at Kane and Son. Uh, For Son, his expected goals is 4.06. Kane is 3.51. So Kane is 2.5 less than his delta, whereas Son is 2 more. Um, Same deal with assists. Uh, Kane's assists are actually expected to be higher than Son's. So, I mean, in pure numbers...
3: Yeah, I, I've looked at the same the, those similar stats as well. I love looking at expected goals because I think it gives you a true representation based on that, what positions they're getting in. Which way do you look at it? Because I've had this same conversation with myself so many times and I never know which way to look at it. Do you prioritize someone who's in form, who's scoring bad or hard chances? Or do you go for someone who's obviously in bad form like Kane, who's getting in good positions and assuming it will change? Which way do you guys look at it? I mean, I've kind of gone both ways. With the one. I would definitely say that I went for someone who hadn't performed to what he should have. But I'm interested to see whether you guys look at it the same way or whether you go the opposite. If you go like a Jamie Vardy, for instance, is someone who always seems to outperform his expected goals. But how how often can it stay that way?
2: I'm a fan of the maths, um, like, you are generally try and do that, but it's always hard because you've got to balance it from what position you're drafting from. So as in, like, if you're the last pick, you've got to try and maybe take players a week earlier than you might have otherwise. So that's always an interesting one. But when I look back at it, I've been, these last few weeks, I've been trying to just go with what I feel more rather than just pure numbers. Because when I look back over the start of the season, the two moves I wanted to make but didn't because it didn't make sense in maths was I wanted to trade you for Ronaldo, um earlier and give up a few more assets for that. And I wanted to bring in Chilwell really early in the season as well. And I didn't. And it was sitting there waiting for me and I was about to click the button and look back at the numbers and found a reason not to. So when I look back at a couple of moves I've made... Um, My instinct said to do it, and I didn't. Or my instinct said to not do it, and I did. So I'm maybe starting to go a little bit more towards picking on feel a little bit more. So we'll see how we go.
3: I am excited to eventually look back at the end of the season and see all those trades. And we really need to go through it and write them all down to see what they would have been come the end of the season. But I must say, right now, looking at that forward line for forward line swap, I am very glad I didn't do it. (laughs) <laughs> um, in saying that, I think my, I've got Jesus now, and I gave up Watkins. Even though Watkins probably alone, <laughs> both of those two have probably done better than it the, would the have. So the hilarious so thing would have so been
0: good. the hilarious thing would have been if you did that trade, you would have traded out Calvert Lewin by now, and Gilby would have him back. So yeah, you know. 100%. W- <laughs> oh, very nice. Look, lots of things to consider there. lots going on, and as as um. I don't know if you guys have been looking at our group chat uh, on Facebook, but it's been blowing up uh, <laughs> recently off. with some chat between Jeff and myself and Dave's come in. Off the hook. <laughs> so we might just run through that because we did mention to the boys we were uh, doing the podcast currently. Uh, and Jeff, who's on holidays at the moment, obviously has a lot of free time on his hands uh, and is offering myself Trying to go Bamford for Mane, so he wants Mane from me. He's willing to put Bamford into the trade. He wants to get it over the line. Um, so he sort of he sort of said, well, "We need some collateral here." I said, "Well, what's the collateral? Offer something up. I want to I want to actually hear a proper trade um, so that I can you know form an opinion." Um, Nath chimed in saying, "Well, maybe it needs to include Dave's mum." Don't know how Dave feels about that, but he did like that post. So I'm thinking that potentially is on the table. Um I lose
3: out one listener. Well, I
0: know well who knows. Potentially. <laughs> uh so then Jeff said, Well, he's got Hudson Adoy. So he said Hudson Adoy for him, and I pitch in Pookie or Watkins. Um And I said, Well, it's not worth considering if you're not offering Dave's mum, which again uh, Dave liked I'm um, not sure what that says, Dave, but you're obviously keen to get that trade across the line loved loved wow interesting um there was a bit of talk about tinder there we won't go into that uh, that's that's for a different podcast uh, but then he said basically Jeff said, basically I'm offering you the Ford that delivered you the title last year he said I'm a Liverpool man it's an equal downgrade uh, it's a it's an upgrade downgrade situation um and I said. It, no, it's not. I said not even close. If you're not, off, if you're not offering Bernardo, it's really not worth it. I don't know what you boys feel about that. But if I'm giving up Mane, I don't think Bamford is necessarily uh, a like-for-like like in terms of trade personally. Uh, that's just the way I feel. I know we've got African Cup of Nations, sure, and blah, 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 blah. But that's just my sort of feel at, at this point in
3: time. Um, the, the longer you can drag it out to the start of that African Cup of Nations, the better it looks. If you can do it one week beforehand, by all means, go and do it. Because you never know, you could come back with an injury and not to, not do it. So I think definitely for now, not. But yeah, like like we said, the, the forward crop just isn't as premium as it has been. So no. if you've got a premium one, you hold on to them, which would I call Bamford a premium? No. Um, but money, he is a top eight pick. So I would definitely be holding on.
2: Mm. what if it was a direct swap Isaac what if it was Mane for Bernardo see that would
0: i'd have to think about that it's it's tough because i'd get those extra points from bernardo when mane's out does bernardo bernardo continue to start with well, rotation when everyone's to think back about
2: fit because i had to look at bernardo because i figured this might come up um, at pep in a press conference 2 weeks ago called bernardo undroppable And he's just hauled 15 points. The only issue with that on the other side, there's 37 midfielders that have more goal attempts than Bernardo Silva. And his conversion rate at the moment is 38.9%. And generally, if you look at statistics over the last few years, uh, we consider an elite conversion rate. If you're a great finisher, you're converting at 20%. So at the moment, he's converting around about double the rate that you consider an elite finisher. So whether or not those numbers are maintainable, I mean, we all talk about Man City and their midfield and how they're pretty much um, a very, very different beast to most teams. But I can see really good arguments for both there. If it was Bernardo or Mane, for me, uh, it's a really tough one for me because um, if you, the unknown factor there is, will the Premier League be able to talk the African nations into? a twenty round twenty-one to twenty-three drop or will it be more like round nineteen to twenty-three? So if it's three rounds, a bit different to five rounds.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely something I need to consider. Um yeah, I think if we're talking Bernard- like I guess it depends where Jeff holds Bernardo in comparison to Mane as well, who he thinks is higher at this point in time. Obviously, he's had the benefit of having Bernardo over the last few weeks. who's done really well for him. So he's probably maybe placing a higher price on Bernardo at this point in time, maybe, I don't know, without talking I'm to him directly pretty certain, about
2: it. I'm pretty certain, knowing Jeff as a Liverpool fan, I'm pretty certain he would do that trade of Mane-Bernardo.
0: Mm. See, I'd, I'd probably... Yeah, be interesting. I'll have to have a think about it. But basically... I don't know what you boys think. If it was a if it was a Mane for Bamford, I just don't think that that works out. Especially if he's only offering up Hudson Adoy, which for no. me doesn't make sense. Um, if I'm then giving up someone like uh, Watkins, for example, I would never do that. Like Watkins is again more valuable, definitely. Um, so I, I don't think that that trade that Jeff's putting across is is particularly particularly balanced. If that makes sense, what do you reckon, Dave? Am I am I onto something there or not?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not. If I'm you, I'm not taking Bamford for money any day of any of the weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah, obviously Jeff's having far too much fun this holiday. Uh, that's what that's what it sounds like. I'm trying
2: to.
1: Yeah, I. I do have a bit of a question. I think I already know the answer and I definitely know what the answer is Mm. if I was in the situation. Not just specific to this trade, but trades in general that anyone may be considering or have had proposed. How is the potential January transfer window playing into your thoughts, if at all? Because we're now only what, three weeks away from it opening, I believe. I don't know the exact dates, but has that been a consideration at yeah, all? Yeah, well, it's
2: why I was a lot more prepared to drop sound Telemans as soon as they got injured, and it's why I've also kept Calvert-Lewin, knowing that I'd be able to keep him through it because his points total is so low, he won't be in it. At the moment, the latest model we're looking at was that everyone will drop two defenders, two mids, and one striker. Um, and of those five, one of them had to be in the top five. So we'll see how that goes over the next few weeks as to what model we go with. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely part of my thinking.
1: Sorry, I have been misunderstood. I did not mean the mid-season draft amongst us i meant the actual transfer window for premier league players to buy and sell players well for my team i was really considering
0: um you know uh, i guess i I don't really i haven't really heard any big rumors of people coming in does anyone else have the same feeling
1: yeah, so when I said I've got it worked out in my own mind, um, not that I'm planning any trades and haven't got anything really on the table, but if I was, it would not play into my thinking at all unless there was something really you know, likely to happen, like someone had put in a trade request and already had an offer from another club because just um, historically, the January window is a lot of hot air and not mm. much usually comes of and, it.
0: So I mean
1: But yeah, I just wanted to see if you guys were thinking about For Gilby and myself, like realistically
0: not. because we only get the second, last and last pick as well in the waiver, like for me I've got buckleys of picking up quality that way. That's that's really my thought on it. So yeah, I I guess I'm not really considering it anyhow.
3: From my side of things, no, not at all. Um I guess in terms of how I've changed things, the only thing it may have come into um, my consideration would be, what team do I think is most likely to spend money? As a result, which and team? Newcastle. Yeah, and as as a result, which team Sorry. is most likely if I had assets from that team um, are likely to change in value, and that would be Newcastle, which aren't a team I currently <laughs> on my radar in any way. Um, In saying that, I think a guy like St. Maximin and Callum Wilson could potentially increase in value, Um, but I guess they're the type of guys that are already in teams anyway, so I wouldn't expect massive changes. Um, In saying that, I could see a team like Newcastle going for your your Aaron Ramsey-style players um, to come in that are quality and would improve their midfield if they stay fit, Um, and as a result, their forwards could be better, but... I don't, I don't know. Like you said, January is not really a time where you get – you, it's always overinflated. You always pay way more than what you get. Um, I don't think they're necessarily going to get much better than Callum Wilson and St. Maximum. So I'd be, I'd be impressed if they did.
1: They're going to make a shit-hot championship side <laughs> next uh, season though, aren't That's they? That's why Just- I
3: hope we get out this year. <laughs>
2: Just on Newcastle, um, I did have a quick look at Sports bet This is the Australian version, of, obviously, at the moment. But the top candidates to make the Newcastle move before the 3rd of February, Jesse Lingard of $1.80, uh, James Tarkowski, $2.20, Aaron Ramsey from mix side of the fence, $3.75, along with the Trura in the same price. And then we've got Nat Phillips, Nathan Aké, and the only other names that kind of interest me on there be Usman Dembele, and Coutinho at $7, Sterling at $13, could all Gareth Bale at 17 along with Vardy at 17 as well. Um and Griezmann at 36, Kane at 36, Mbappe at 36, Haaland at 51, Salah at 67. So there's some interesting ones there but of any of those? Lingard, thing- yeah, I could definitely see that happening.
1: Lingard, yeah, I mean he did great when he was at West Ham. He's obviously got quality, and he's obviously just I don't know, out of favour, and I don't know. They're not playing around him, but yeah, if you put him into that Newcastle side in place of someone absolutely trash like John Joe Shelby, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he could could be worth worth bringing him in, and should make a surely real he'd be difference. all
0: right in a like four two 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 system. As the second yeah. sort of midfielder in that It'd be
2: interesting of... to see what Rangnick does um, because that ship may well have sailed with Lingard. It may well be too late because he only got six months left in his contract anyway. So Manchester United are either going to lose him for free at the end of the year or they're going to take maybe five million for him, which means that I can see that happening because Newcastle are going to have to balance either trying to spend enough money to get out of it or not spend so much money that they've got a 500 million team playing in the championship. So (laughs) it's going to be an interesting balancing act. Like, do they go all out to try and avoid the drop and then have to eat a big one if they're in the championship? Or what do they do? Do they try and balance that or not?
3: They also need some number of homegrown players too, I'm pretty sure. So I guess having a first team player would have to have some level of need, wouldn't it? Shaking your head, Dave?
1: I think the I uh, I don't know the exact rules, but I thought the homegrown rules were only related to the number of players in the squad. I could be wrong, um, but there's definitely lots of teams out there which only have one or two British players in the first team. Um, they don't even have to be British though, because I think the homegrown rules kick in uh, anyone that has been in the UK for X number of years or f- from 16 and above or something like that. But, yeah, I I think you can probably fill your first 11 with no homegrown players and still get around yep. the so rules. So it's, it's
3: 25 think. players. Eight of them have to be homegrown. Um, out of those, and like you said, some of them to be foreign-born homegrown, you need to have spent at least three years for an English team before the age of 21. So if you've been through the academy as a, I guess a international, it still counts as it. But and I, I don't know much about Newcastle's academy and how they go, but I think from what I've seen, most of the players I've seen come through, like the Longstaff brothers, are generally English anyway. So I guess out of the twenty-five, there's got to be some level of they can't just replace all of the English guys in their team. They're going to have to keep some. So I guess I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Lingard and Tarkovsky is another one that I've seen the name really linked. So I'd expect both of them probably will go if there's big offers for them anyway.
0: Well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I have to wait and see. I'm not sure that, like I said, it's going to do too much around my team. So, um, But it could be good for people, you know, someone like Ben or Dan, for example, they're picking up some of those good players, picking up some good points. Interesting to see if they can benefit from it. Uh, Boys, it's probably time to look at game week uh, 16. On the horizon Uh, coming up, we've got a a few game weeks coming up. So uh, we'll talk about game week 16 just in this podcast, Um, starting with Brentford-Watford, Saturday morning for us here in Australia. Um, Then we've got Man City versus Wolves uh, that evening. Sunday morning, very, very, very early, Arsenal-Southampton. And is that the game we've got, uh, Mr. Jared Gillett? Rhymes with Philip actually on that game yep. as referee, which is he's exciting. He's also good game. VAR good game. for the
3: Brentford-Watford game as well. VAR oh, well. Is, so he's a busy weekend.
0: Very good. It'll be good to see him in action. Hopefully he has a good game there. Uh, then we've got Chelsea versus Leeds. Chelsea have looked a little bit weak defensively, so it'll be interesting to see if Leeds can nab some points. Uh, Liverpool versus Aston Villa.
1: Stevie yeah, be G going one, back to it? Anfield.
0: Be to see the reaction. I'm sure it'll be a good reaction. Um, to start with, at least. Um, yep. ah, he's a hero there. It's all, probably always a, ever going to be a good reaction, isn't it? Um, Norwich versus Man United. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting one to see if that progression for Man U. Rele-
1: relegation yeah, six-pointer.
0: Big one. Big one. Uh, Brighton versus Spurs on Monday very early morning, we got Burnley versus West Ham, Leicester versus Newcastle, and Crystal Palace versus Everton to round up the game week before there's another game week uh, coming up really soon after that. So, gentlemen, of course, we like to look at, well, which fixture catches the eye for bonus fantasy points or any other interesting thing that you're looking for? Uh, we might start with you this week, Gilby. Yeah, no,
2: I am going to pick... Manchester United visiting Norwich and I am going to hope that any one of my three Manchester United players hauls big and Ronaldo does not for Mick. Um, So well it'll be four Manchester United players by the time I'm done because I will have a defender somewhere. It's just whether or not they're healthy or in a treatment ward somewhere as a few of my team are. (laughs) But yeah I'm, I'm really keen on Manchester United coming out and putting on a pretty good attacking performance to back up a better defensive performance last week.
0: Yeah, very nice. Good things to look for. Uh, Dave, what have we got? Uh,
1: I mean, as always, I'm looking at Watford and as always, I'm looking at Brentford as two teams that I've had my eye on this season. Uh, I do think that will be a good game. However, the one that I think is probably the most intriguing is potentially Leicester Newcastle. Neither of them in great form. Um, could be a good match up. Could be a chance for Leicester to uh, get some form, but I don't think it's going to be easy for them. I don't know why. Just a hunch.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Look, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool Aston Villa. I think that Liverpool are very attacking. Aston Villa have been playing a lot better under Stevie G. It'll be a good homecoming for him. Um, That's the one I'm looking forward to. I think that'll be a a good game. I think uh, Liverpool are going to win it, but Aston Villa, I think, can nab some goals or at least a goal there potentially and uh, walk away with um, some people getting some fantasy points. So I think that'll be a a good one to look at. And uh, Mick, it's over to you, my friend. Um, I, I know you've been number crunching, um, you know, trying to trying to figure out what is that, what is the best uh, one and a half leg multi that you can put together. So, where have you landed?
3: Well, yeah, I, I spent a bit of time trying to come up with this one, um, trying to find a way to get it. Now, there was—is
0: that uh, an efficient use of your time? Like, honestly,
3: uh, I mean, it's <laughs> not my fantasy. I can put more time into trying to make good trades if you'd like, but now I, I I'm really disappointed, Dave. I really want to make it, but I just feel like you should have. You should have really gone with, there's a fair bit of buzz around this game. It's the Bees versus the Hornets. How did you not make that joke? Aren't they a moose? <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the Bees versus It's a
3: moose. Anyway, that, that, that is actually the end. Now, <laughs> yeah. just quickly, I think the actual game of the week for me is actually Palace Everton. Um, Everton with a result against Arsenal. Yes, Arsenal have been a bit up and down, but... They've really only been down against your cities, Manchester Uniteds, and uh, Liverpool's. Like against every other team in the since the start of the season, mm-hmm. they've actually been pretty solid. So, I was surprised with Everton having been so bad that they got a result. Um, Palace have kind of been the opposite. They've been a really good team without getting any results. Have been on the end of some awful last minute turnarounds. So, interesting to see how that goes. Whether it's a case of. Is it going to be the same thing? Is Palace going to dominate the play and Everton come out and score a last minute? Or is Palace going to actually play to the way they should have been playing? So that that's not necessarily fantasy-wise, just, just a general level of intrigue for me. Um, but I am going to go back to the first game of the week, uh, get the multi out of the way so I can focus on fantasy the rest of the weekend. And Dave, you're going to be happy to know, I reckon Watford might actually get a win this weekend. That's what I'm putting it out there. Wow.
1: I'm, I'm not happy wrong. to know because your predictions so, are always wrong. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's wow. and the the main reason I went for it is Ivan Tony's out. That, that's that's pretty much it. I figure Embuemo and Tony have such a good relationship when they're playing up top together. Um, that's why they've started the season so well. Tony's, I mean, they started the season well when they were both going. Um, Embuemo's kind of not continued on to the same extent. As a result, Tony's not done as well. Um, so I've got that here now I was tempted to go for a draw but I had a look and Watford just don't seem to draw many they either win or lose there's no in between so I went screw it let's go for the win um, I've got Josh King to score the first goal come back to form everything's been going on about Dennis but I've got a bit of Josh King and I can see Dave going oh that's wrong and let's face it it is wrong well done you've predicted the future um, and then to get it close to the value, I went with a halftime result. It's going to be a draw. So it's going to be a draw at halftime, but Watford are going to win. Josh King to score the first goal. So three legs and even 37 to one. So that that's my uh, multi for this week.
0: Thank you so much, Mick. Uh, looking forward to knowing if A, you can remember it next week and B, if it actually turns out for you that'd be one i can answer those
3: questions now no i cannot oh, okay. remember it next week and no it did not happen
0: wow what confidence what I know. confidence confidence with the capital c the,
3: the sad thing is is i've got more confidence still and we'll score again for jeff than i've got for my own multi
0: <laughs> oh jeff will be very pleased to hear that that's that's lovely Alrighty, boys look we've we've done a pretty good job now next week you know there's going to be a few things going on. Uh, there'll definitely be one game week done and dusted. Uh, there could well be. Um, there could well be. We well, we might be able to get in the break between the the game week sixteen and game week seventeen. We'll just have to wait and see. So, gents, thank you very much, uh, Dave. Happy to have you back. Uh, looking forward to seeing your team skyrocket now that you're back in the uh, in the in the uh, manager's seat. So, uh, best of luck to uh, everybody in the next game week.
2: Best of Thanks luck to you
0: Chat soon. Very good. Thanks, everybody. And uh, we will see you next week.